What's going on? We're back. We're back. We're back. You thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You are far too kind. You could have been anywhere in the world, but I'm so glad you are here with me. Jesse Holly, unfiltered with Jesse Holly, episode six. We're turning these things out, man. We are getting we are getting in the groove of things, man. And I thank you so much for being here with me and joining me. Uh, as we I try to give you my best every single day. And like I always tell you, I like to come and give my uh, my motivation from the top. And the one thing that I know for a fact, I know this for a fact when it comes to excellence. Excellence is never an accident. Aristotle said this. Let me read this for you what Aristotle said. I'm not, but here's what he said. He said, excellence is never an accident. It is a result of high intention, sincere effort, and intelligent execution. It represents the wisest option among many alternatives. Choice, not chance, determines your destiny, dreams, and values. Excellence is not an accident. Anything that you want to have in life with the level of excellence, it's not an accident. You have to put the time, energy, and effort into it. And if you do those things, you will run into excellence. So continue to put forth the effort of excellence so that you understand and know that this is not an accident. Ever, never, ever. You got it, man. You got it. The only time you fail in this thing is when you don't try. And I'm a living, breathing testament of that. I failed every time I didn't try. And every time I gave effort and I walked in my gift, success and excellence and, and all the things that I wanted surely followed that. So um, just let that be the guiding light to whatever it is that you want to do. Excellence is not an accident. All right, let's dive right into this thing, man. And I first want to say rest in peace to the godfather of scouting, Gil Brandt. Uh, we lost him at 91 years old. I don't have any personal stories about Gil Brandt. Um, was around him. I met him. But his impact uh, in the National Football League, not just for the Dallas Cowboys, but for the National Football League, it's, it says a lot about a guy. You want to speak about excellence. You cannot tell the story of the National Football League. You for sure cannot tell the story of the Dallas Cowboys without mentioning the name of Gil Brandt. He was one of the first guys who really gave us the, the to, to what we know now in scouting. How to look at a guy, how to grade a guy, what are you looking for in the intangibles. He was, he was the one who really looked into H, HBCUs to find some of your greatest talents your two tall Jones, those type of players. This was this was a guy like Gil Brandt who was who was he was you hear the term looking under every stone. Gil Brandt was the guy, and uh, thoughts and prayers to his family. Ninety one years old, he was still sharp at ninety one, still sharp at ninety one, still being able to go out there and do his thing. Up until about a year or two ago, he was doing the show. 90 years old, 89 years old, he was doing a show for like XM Radio or something like that. So our thoughts and our prayers are with the Brent family. We lost a legend, um, but his, his fingerprints are on the game of football forever and ever and ever. And the biggest fingerprints that he have on is on the Dallas Cowboys. Yes, he was there elite, but the Dallas Cowboys and 
you know, I got to think of today, you know, building the show, and I've been kind of keeping a little bit of content to myself as we get ready to go next week, which is game week, which is really live, and I get to bring all that fun stuff then. But I start looking at this team, and the more I look at the Cowboys, the more I see this roster, and the more stacked I see this roster is on, on all sides of the ball. Football, uh, defense, offense, special teams. I don't know about the kicker. Uh, we're, still, we're still under. that. Uh, uh, Brendan Aubrey is still under investigation. We don't know what he is. But then I asked myself the question because at the end of the day, we are, you know, it's a team game. Football is a team game played at its best in an individualistic form. Football is 11 on 11 and who can win their one-on-one battles the most? That's what that's that is the bare bones of what football is. When you watch the game, you can have 10 guys doing the absolute right thing. And one guy not ruins everything. Ruins everything. So there is a bunch of one-on-one battles that are going on in that in in the in the the, the belly of this team game. And so while we want the team accolades and the awards, we want the NFC East trophies, we want the AFC trophies, we want the whatever the conference your team plays in. We also want uh, 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 the, the, the division championship trophies, but ultimately you want to be able to hoist the Lombardi, which the Cowboys hadn't done in 30 years. It's been a really long time since they've been in serious contention for that. Like really, really, really be in contention for that. And I look at this roster and, I, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm looking at it and I'm staring at it and I'm, I'm breaking this down and I'm looking at players and positions. And I started to think to myself, and I started to say, man, this is a talented, talented group. They have the ability to, to really be able to do some things both as a team and individuals. And I start looking at some of the big individual awards, MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year. And I thought to myself, hmm, could the Cowboys, stay with me now, walk with me, could the Cowboys run the table in individual awards? I know that we all want the big award. I'm with you. I'm there. Trust me. I tell people all the time, nothing is more. See, you guys won a championship. And I want a championship too. But I think a lot of times we want championships for different reasons, if I'm being honest, if I'm being unfiltered. You want a championship as a fan because you're a fan. And that's what fans want. They want championships. I, too, I, I, I always say I'm not, I'm not a Cowboy fan. I'm a Cowboy. I'm not a Tar Heel fan. I'm a Tar Heel. I'm not a Roselle Ram fan. I am a Roselle Ram. I gave a little bit more than you. I gave a little bit more of sweat equity than you. So I don't put myself in the fan category. I put my, myself in the place of I am that. I am one of them. I am a Dallas Cowboy. I am, in, I am a North Carolina Tar Heel. I am a Roselle Ram. But you, as a fan, you want the championship because you want to be able to have bragging rights and the parades and all that kind of stuff. So do I. But if I'm being all the way unfiltered, it will be probably the most profitable thing that I could be a part of. If the Cowboys find a way to hoist a Lombardi, 
I make a lot of money. <laughs> a lot of content creators will make a lot of money. Jerry would make a lot of money. We'll talk about that because he's making he's making money hand over fist. He's already making all of the cash. He'd make even more, probably double it, triple it. Cause y'all would go insane. Y'all buy up. Y'all would buy up all the merch. Y'all would buy up all the all, all the tickets, all the everything. Place might explode. But I too want the Cowboys to make a lone playoff run. I, I too want the Cowboys to host the Lombardi. It is profitable for me. So don't ever say to me that you don't want. I don't. Jesse, you hating. You don't want the Cowboys to win. You don't want it. You're a liar. That's a lie. It's a lie straight from the pits of hell. I want the Cowboys to win a championship for the same reason Jerry Jones wants the Cowboys to win a championship. Because his pockets will he will be bouncing off his wallet. The Cowboys brought, brought that home. But I want them to win too as a, as, a, as, a, as a Cowboy. But boy, the checks that will be cut will be phenomenal. Just, just being honest. Some, some people don't want to hear that, but I'm being honest. But in order to get to that, and I get it, it's a team game. It, it, 11 guys on offense, 11 guys on defense, 11 guys on special teams, coaches, trainers, uh, uh, strength and conditioning, front office people. It takes an equipment manager. It takes a host of people to get that done. But make no mistake about it. I talked about the last episode. You need Jimmys and Joes. You need Jimmys and Joes. And the Jimmys and Joes that you need on this team – have to show up. And have shown you moments of greatness. Some longer than others. But the moments of greatness in these individuals are there. You need those lights to shine their brightest in the biggest moments. See, it's easy for a light to shine bright in week one or week three or week seven or week eight or week 12. But when we get to the playoffs, they got to shine Right. They have to be those Jimmys and Joes in this team. The ones I'm going to really talk about, those have to shine bright. Illuminating. It has to be blinding. <laughs> if I'm being completely honest, it has to be blinding. That's how bright they have to be. That's how much they have to shine in the biggest moments. And so I thought to myself, man, could the Cowboys or could these individuals on the Cowboys run the award table? And I start thinking the first one, of course, you think about is MVP. MVP. Now, we all know it's a quarterback award. It is. You got you to gotta basically set yourself on fire and not get burned and play 18 games continuously on fire for four you're a non-quarterback to win that award. And we have a quarterback in Dak Prescott, however you feel about him. You know, the, the, the famous line from uh, one of the Batman movies is, you either die a hero or you live long enough to become the villain. And Dak is flirting with both of those. In year eight, he's looking at saying, you know what? You have to be our hero. We're looking for you to be our hero. You have to be the one that takes this team from just everyday talk to real business. 
to real deal business. And there are some that are saying, you know what, he is what he is. I'm not, I wouldn't pay him another dime. Let's get someone else in there. He started out as the hero of the boy wonder, the guy who, 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 who surpassed Tony Romo, knocked him out of the league. They gave him the keys and they said, it's yours. And everyone cheered and jeered and they, they, they looked at him and they said, he's our guy. We got another one. Dak Prescott is going to take us to the promised land. And there were moments in the seasons where it looked as if he was. As if he was the next one. And there were moments that he wasn't. And I, I'm not here to say what side of the fence that you should fall on. Feel how you feel. That ain't, that's on you. you. You have the right to feel however you feel about any player in the National Football League. Whether you like Dak or don't like Dak. But this is a player who... You look at it at times and you say, boy, the numbers are always there. He always has this team, you know, tops in the league in, in total offense, tops in the league in total points scored, total touchdown. I mean, it's always in the conversation. And so I look at it and I go, can Dak Prescott take this team to the next level? Can he be the MVP? And, of course, you know, you look at who was the MVP last year, Patrick Mahomes. This look, Patrick Mahomes last year, around 5,200 yards, 40 touchdowns. That's insane. 5,200 yards, 40-plus touchdowns. Dak's best year was in 2009. He had 49 yards, I mean 4,900 yards, and 30 touchdowns. So if and, – and, and Patrick Mahomes took his team – to the Super Bowl and won. So I think what goes hand in hand in a lot of times, and it's not always, it helps. I know there's the war's already, whatever, but if your team is favorite to win the Super Bowl, you always stay in that conversation. And so Dak is going to have have to have one of these years where you blow it out the water. You gotta go have a 5,000 yard season. Close. Got, got, got damn close in 2019. You now have the weapons. You have a really good running back in Tony Pollard. You have a decent offensive line if they can stay healthy. That line start going down, things may get a little shaky for you. I think C.D. Lamb is going to be a superstar. I just feel that way. I think Brandon Cook is going to continue to do what he's always done in this league. Just be a consistent 1,000-yard receiver. Make some big plays here and there, but just be that level of consistency. And then you have other guys, Tolbert, you have, you have Michael Gallup, you have Ferguson and, 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 and Schoonmaker and other guys, and, and they can fill in where they're filling. But there's more than enough here to, 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 to put you in that category. And then ultimately you got to win games. you got to win games. And there were times in the season where Dak, earlier in the year, was in that MVP conversation. Six, seven, eight games into the season. And then when you get to that kind of that second half of the season where you got film out there, can you be able to keep that same trajectory pointing towards the stars? Is there a fall off? He needs to rebound from what he was last year. But is the potential to be an MVP in him? I think so. It Will he be? I don't know. But it's in him. We've seen glimpses of, we've seen stretches of football where he was the baddest man on the planet. 
with Aaron Rodgers, with Patrick Mahomes, with Tom Brady, with Lamar Jackson, with Joe Burrow. I mean, there has been pockets of time where he was, he had pockets where he was the baddest joker out there. Sustainability is important. From start to finish is important. Maybe, maybe they're able to run the table. Maybe he's able to run the table. I think the potential is there. Getting deep into the playoffs, maybe getting a chip, that that helps. <laughs> that helps. Regular season is great, you know. They again, they say that the award is kind of announced before the but if you're if you're if your team is, is rolling to the chip, you 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 in that conversation. The next one was defensive player of the year. And this is a guy who was Micah Parsons, right? We can even talk about, we can even talk about, now this goes, I'm, I know, I'm not going to pull another hamstring with this stretch, but it's a possibility. We talk about Micah Parsons maybe being the MVP of the league. Now, you're going to have to break the sack record. That's going to have to be the first thing that you do. You're going to need a couple INTs, a couple pick sixes. But if you go and get 25 sacks, you beat the 22 and a half, and go get 25? About three picks, four picks? One of them back to the touchdown, a fumble recovery. You get about two or three touchdowns in that thing? Oh, oh, Nelly. I know for sure when you're defensive player of the year. And Mike is a guy who, while I talked about Dak having, Mike has actually sniffed it. He's been relatively close. In his rookie year, I think he was third. T.J. Watt, Aaron Donald, and then it was Micah Parsons. Last year, he was runner-up to Nick Bosa. Bosa finished the year, 18 and a half sacks. Micah finished with 13 and a half. He fell off. At the end of the year, he had one sack in the final six games. Can't, 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 can't. You cannot win defensive player of the year falling off like having that. I get it. He was hurt. He was a little bit hampered, slowed down. That's the life that he's going to live, rushing the passer and not playing at that linebacker position, playing more defensive end. But Mike is the kind of person, the talented kind of person who, 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 who can actually win, like legitimately win that award, the Defensive Player of the Year award. No doubt about it. In fact, I'm, 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 if, if I was a betting man, which I'm not, and I don't know what the odds are in Vegas – but I'm sure he's in that conversation. You got, you know, J.J. Watt. Of course, you got Nick Bosa. If he decides to come back and play this year to defend his title, Michael Parsons in that conversation. Don't forget that other dog in, 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 in L.A., Aaron Donald. But Miles Garrett is in there. But he for sure, he for sure is is – is poised and ready to take that next step. And he's the one that's been, like I said, he was third in one year. He was second last year. It seems as if the next step is to go ahead and win that thing thing. To take that generational talent that he has and, and move into that spot as the best defensive player in the league. He looked that way in training camp. He looked unblockable. In training camp. Now, you can say that's Tyron and he's old, or that's Tyler and he's kind of young and the offensive line is what it is, but 
I mean, he's made a lot of left tackles look really bad in his, in his two years in the league. He put on the extra 10 pounds. I hope it can stay. I don't think it will. I just know that once you get into the season, you don't lift as much. You don't, you're not eating as heavy, but you're still practicing at a high level. That weight falls right off for a guy who's already running around crazy. Well, his type of energy, Micah never sits down. So it's going to be difficult for him to maintain that weight, but hopefully they're able to properly give him the snaps and reps. Because here's the way I feel about that. Now that we've discovered that Micah Parsons is one of these guys who is a rusher and, and should be rushing, any play that Micah Parsons isn't rushing, the, isn't rushing the quarterback while he's on the field is a wasted play. Just my opinion. If you're ever dropping Micah Parsons back into coverage, wasted play. <laughs> it's a wasted play. If he's not coming forward downhill in some way, shape, or form, getting after the quarterback or getting after the person who has the football, it is a wasted defensive rep. If you're dropping him the coverage or you're using him as a spy or whatever it is that you may be doing, if Dan Quinn is doing that, then you've, you, 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 you wasted a rep. You wasted an absolute rep because Micah Parsons should be going one direction and one direction only, and that's whoever, that's downhill at whoever has the football. That's it. That's it, and that's all. Anything else is uncivilized and a wasted rep. The Lions should be in attack mode at all times. You got Trayvon Diggs and Damone Clark and, and, and Gilmore and Wilson and Curse and all. Let them guys play coverage. Let those guys be a spy. Let those guys be a robber. Let those guys play zones and, and mans and all that kind of stuff. Micah should be one direction. Coming right at you. I think he's another one who's poised. We, if anyone we've seen on this list that I'm going to name, he is the one. That is the closest and almost kind of clear-cut candidate to win that award. Wins help. Wins definitely help. The Cowboys are going to be on TV, so they're going to be seen by the national media. They're going to be seen by a national audience. The more you win, the more you... Of course, we, we see what the coverage is already is with the Cowboys. You start adding... You know, 6-0 and and 7-0, and 7-1 and 8-1. And and now people start looking up and going, whoa, they're legit. Not just on paper, but actually on the field. That helps in the voting. You get folks on your side when everybody's watching your football team. I think Mike is close. He, if anybody, he's the closest. He got to just stay healthy. And, and, and the thing about Mike right now, he's so young, and he, he has this aggressive innocence where he doesn't even know how to slow himself down. He doesn't know what the off switch is, which is great, which is phenomenal. He doesn't know how to pace himself. He doesn't know sometimes you're like, you know what? Maybe I should come out for a play. Get a blow, get back. He wants to be in there at all times. I get it. I understand it. I just don't want him dropping back in coverage. But there has to be a fine line between letting the let it, letting the, the dog off the leash but also being able to leash the dog when you need to.
see a good trained dog attack dog knows the difference between when someone goes get him and when they go heal and Dan Quinn has to have that leash he has to have to be able to have that control of understanding when get him heal you gotta relax you gotta just take a moment we need you for the long haul because Michael wants to play 100 miles an hour every single snap, every single game. Honorable, admirable, respectable. It's a long season, my guy. Long season. You got to be able to withstand the ebbs and flow of the season. But Mike is one of the guys I, I wrote down, defensive player of the year. Let me write MVP next to that too because he can be both. He has the potential. Like I said, you're gonna need a, you're gonna need you gonna you're gonna have to break the sack record. You're gonna have to get at least three touchdowns. And your team gonna have to be you're gonna have to have a dominant defense. You're gonna have to be the leader of one of the most dominant defenses in the league. Facts. I mean, it, it has to be almost shutout worthy. I know that we play, we live in this uh, play hard, play fast, play you know the football in the air, but to get to MVP. Defensive player of the year, I think he can get that without any without a, without a shadow of a doubt. But to get MVP, which I think he does have potential, you have to have history-making defense. I'm talking, you know, 85 Bears, 01 Baltimore Ravens type defense. Like they they have to talk about your defense in that aspect. This team can get turnovers. They've let the league in turnovers the last two seasons. It it, it they can do it. And he can be the leader of that defense. And then I went offensive player of the year. The offensive player of the year last year was Justin Jefferson. And when I started looking at his numbers, I was like, oh, I see why. 1,800 yards and eight touchdowns. With Kirk Cousins. Now, I'm not saying Kurt's a bad dude, but we all know Kurt is two, is two Kurt's. It's Kurt Cobang with the chains, and he's doing all this, and then it's, 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 it's Curtis. I don't know if that's his real name or not. It's Kurt. But Justin Jefferson, 1,800 yards and eight touchdowns last year. And I think offensive player of the year can be a guy like CeeDee Lamb. I, I think he is – if there is a elite tier of receivers, Devontae, Justin, Chase, Tyreek. I may be missing somebody. I think CeeDee falls under, right underneath that level. Uh, he's not in that elite level. He's not in that Jamar – he's not in that Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase – conversation right now he ain't too far he is not too far last year CD had 1350 yards and nine touchdowns and Dak missed five games not bad not bad when you're starting quarterback miss five games if you kind of just you know extrapolate that out if he averaged 80 yards a game that puts him over 1,500, 1,600. Conversation changes. 
I just think I, I look at CD during training camp. I, I saw him. I talked about the man body, what it looks like with the speed. He's a track hawk, speed and power. I think if there is anyone poised to take the uh, take the elite jump, it's him. Mike is already in league conversation. Dax, I don't think Dax ever going to get into the elite category of quarterback. I think he's going to always be in the really, really, really good category, and that's okay. I think CD is the next one on that list that's going to take that elite jump from a skilled guy's perspective. I just do. I feel it in my heart of hearts, and I and, and maybe it's the receiver in me. But when I look at the body of work that he put in this last season, this off season when he looked like in training camp, I I, I just I. I I'm, I'm hoping and praying with this West Coast offense and how it's going to be distributed that this is the guy who takes that elite that elite leap. That he goes to that next level. I think he is. I do. I don't want to be wrong about this. I don't want to come back to you guys in late January, February and go, I mean, he's still really, really good. But he didn't ascend into that elite category. I, I just... Feel it like I I feel it that he is he is next he is next to make that ascension into the elite category over fifteen hundred yards between that nine and twelve touchdown type of season where now the next season you're talking about maybe you're talking about him as being offensive player of the year possible but that conversation now is well it's Tyreek Hill and it's Jamar Chase and it's Ceedee Lamb it's Ceedee Lamb he in that conversation. That's what I want to happen a year from now. I want us to be able to I want to sit here next year and I'm doing episode 105 and I'm saying we have an elite receiver. When you speak of the elite, when it comes to pass catchers, 8-8 is in that conversation. CeeDee Lamb is in that conversation. I think he can run the table in that category in the offensive player of the year. Now he plays a position that you need a lot of help. <laughs> I need the offensive line to block. I need the running back to pick up their deal. And I need the quarterback to actually throw me the ball. Which I think Dak will do. He is, he is the bona CD Lamb is the bona fide number one receiver on this offense. Without a shadow of a doubt. No question in my mind. He is the number one. He is numero uno. Dex, Dex says throw up the X. He is the X. C.D. Lamb is the X factor of this offense. I know we're talking about the run game and all that kind of stuff. C.D. It's C.D. He's going to have to be the guy to make the big plays. And other guys will make plays, but he has to be a man amongst boys. He has to stand out. He has to be the creme de la creme. He has to be elite. He has to be elite. And if there's anybody on this team that I, I, I'm going to, I am willing to, to bet the house on that they take that step, I think it's going to be him, barring any injury. Football's a 100% hurt business, and at any given time, you can be on an elite trajectory, and the turf can get you, ACL. Ankle can get you, knee can get you, shoulder can get you, whatever it may be, hand, thumb, finger, whatever, concussion. But barring any of that, Act of God stuff. I think CD can be offensive player of the year. Now nah, he ain't in that MVP conversation. Now you talking about gotta go get two thousand yards. That ain't happening. Um, sorry. <laughs> it just ain't. It just ain't. But 
he on deck. He on deck to enter that that next class of uh, of receivers of of eliteness. So when you hear that that CD, let him in. Justin, let him in. Jamar, let him in. Tyreek, let him in. He's coming. I, I, I firmly believe that. And I think that those are the guys that can kind of run that table, man. And I would love for – if these guys – if two of these three guys get that, if, if CD's Offensive Player of the Year and Micah Defensive Player of the Year, I think this team finds himself in, in a much better playoff situation. If Dak's MVP – and Micah's Defensive Player of the Year, I think they find themselves in a much better playoff situation. It's going to take the individuals to do extraordinary things for this team to have extraordinary success. It is. It's going to take the names that I just mentioned, those guys having exceptional years for this team to have to be somewhere that they have not been in a very long time. In three decades. These guys. These guys. Dak, Micah, CD. I know Diggs is going to be, will Diggs going to be the conversation? I don't think he'll get 11 interceptions anymore. I think that's, that's a one-off. That record took almost 25 years to break, 30 years to break. That that's a, eleven picks is a lot. I don't think that's happening again. But a good solid six or seven is great. I don't put you in that conversation with the defensive player of the year. And Diggs still ain't quite the like he's a good corner, but he ain't he ain't islandish corner. Like he's not the island. Like teams quarterbacks aren't afraid to throw his way. He might pick some off, but they still like we'll go over there again. Double, we'll double move him. It ain't it ain't it ain't what Revis was and Champ and Charles and those type of guys at that cornerback position. But these guys have to have an individual type year that's going to produce this team's success. I stand on that wholeheartedly. If they do. If they're in the conversation of any of these categories, MVP, Office Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, I think you're talking about the Cowboys winning a division, first round by, and, and maybe finally getting to that NFC Championship game. Maybe finding themselves in Vegas in February. If these guys are in that conversation, if one is in that conversation, then, eh, maybe. But if three of these guys are in that award conversation, we in Vegas, baby. We at the craps tables. We at we there. Because the Cowboys are going to be there. And it's going to make them extremely profitable. It's going to make Jerry happy. But we'll see. We'll see. But I, I think that there's a chance that these guys can make that, make that run at these awards. But that's why. That's why you got to play the game, man. Like I said before, it makes the Cowboys profitable. Forbes to come out again. And guess what? Cowboys still rich. 
Still rich. $9.2 billion this Cowboys team is worth. They're still cash. They're cash cow. It's y'all the reason. Y'all buy it all up. Tickets, merchandise. They're up 13% of what they were a year ago. And it's going to rise even more once these TV contracts begin to hit in 2024. That number's going up. And like I said, if those guys who I just mentioned are in that conversation of those awards and this team is finding themselves in Vegas or at least an NFC championship game, that number's going up. It's going to be over $10 billion. The Cowboys had $1.1 billion in revenue last year. More than $500 million than the next team. The Patriots were the next in one in line. Jerry is making money hand over fist. And this is why you talk about the, 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 the recycling, sometimes looking for that next quarterback or this team. The Cowboys, will, Jerry will ne- never allow the Cowboys to be bad enough to be in the top five pick. Unless he orchestrates some sort of crazy trade where he trades away Micah for 19 first-round picks, he's never going to be in that conversation again in the top five pick because they're never going to be that bad. Because to be that bad means you're not making that kind of money. Because m- maybe I'm wrong. Cowboys start off, they one in five. Those $500 tickets that you got at the 200 level, can't settle for $500 no more. You're one in five. You're one in six. It might net you a top 10 pick, but you're going to lose money because the, the, the suites don't sell the same when you're not winning. The ticket prices you can't hold at that hostage price when you're not winning. Well, there's not a level of, of, of hope that you can sell in winning. When the product on the field is not worth it, people ain't paying for it. The merchandise ain't, ain't coming off the shelves as fast as you want it to. Because people aren't that people want to be a part of winners. They, they want to show their team spirit when it's winning. When a team is when a team is rolling, Cowboys always have two, three, four guys in the top ten of jersey sales. Because they're always in, they're always in the conversation of what we can possibly be. That's music to Jerry Jones' ears. What I think at times may be more important than it's between you and I, championships. That's just between you and I. Do not tell anybody else I said that. This number, nine point two billion. I think sometimes hoisting a stack of money feels better in his hand than hoisting a Lombardi, especially when he's already done it. Three times in the 90s, been a long time since he's done it. But what do we always say? Cash King. You ask any player in any sport who has not won a championship, who has not won a championship, I repeat, who has not won a championship, and you gave them an option. Hey, you want the bag or the trophy? I'm willing to bet 99.999999% of the people are going to say, trophy looks good, give me the bag. Owners are no different. 
Jerry can say he's the owner, the general manager, general manager. He's a businessman. And only one thing matters when you're a businessman. It's the bottom dollar. It's the bottom line. Does my bottom line make profit? Am I raking in the bread? That's what a businessman's talking about. Make no mistake about it. Who Jerry is at his core? Not a football evaluator. Who Jerry is at his core? Not a talent evaluator. Businessman. And that 9.2 number? What the b b b b billion? But but billion sounds a lot better than ch 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 trophy. <laughs> now, getting the ch ch trophy may add some more but 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 billions, but at this point in time, he's making but 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 billions and ain't even stepped the ch trophy. The businessman at the end of the day. This is a bit football is a business. Bottom line. Point blank point blank period. A business. And he's the best at doing it. And the numbers show. Forbes says it for the last couple years. Cowboys are the most recognizable and the world's riches. And the number keeps going. It was, I remember when it was six point something. I remember when it was seven point something. Now it was nine point something. Next year it's going to be ten point something. Yacht gets bigger. Jet gets bigger. Copter gets bigger. More properties, more oil. More reusable energy projects, more real estate, more partnerships. Those aren't slowing down at all. And I keep selling hope. The number keeps going up. The Jones bankroll, legacy of bankroll gets bigger. Steven's share gets good. Charlotte's share is good. Shy and Paxton and all the rest of the grandkids, their share looks good. We're all going to leave this earth at some point in time. Some of us will need a little bit of assistance for funerals. Some of us will be Jerry Jones. They won't need a dime. I might need a GoFundMe account. No, I, I, I hope my, I got insurance. I hope I don't need a GoFundMe account. I have life insurance. A nice little life insurance plan. They'll, my people be good. They ain't going to be like shy in them. But Jerry Jones is a businessman. Football, to me, is a means to which he gets to that business. And the, and the bottom line of any businessman, the, 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 the most important thing is the bottom line for any businessman. Are we making bank? And nobody is doing it better than Jerry. It is what it is. All right, we're going to go around sports. This kind of next couple things are, are, are I don't know, maybe near and dear to me. I'll start here. The ACC had a ruling that came out. They extended the invitation to SMU. Stanford, and Cal. 
it was basically unanimously agreed upon that those three teams will now be entering the ACC. I don't like it, just to be perfectly honest with you. I don't like it. One, those teams to me, they're not good enough really. Let me try to think before I say this. Look around, maybe Stanford and golf. But they're not really good enough to bring any type of – it's not like when Texas comes to the SEC. They, they bring a level of watchability. Like SMU doesn't bring any watchability in basketball, in football. Same thing with Cal, same thing with Stanford. They have Stanford has an okay basketball program, but it doesn't bring it doesn't bring anything to the table, to where we're like, boy, that, that's going to really boast what we do. Then you talk about travel. I've, I've heard some reports say that they're only going to travel to the West Coast bi yearly. I heard some say for other sports that are non-football or basketball, which are the big revenue-generating sports, that they're going to use Dallas for a hub, meaning that teams will meet to play in Dallas. The Cows, the Stanford games, whether that be uh, baseball or, or, or whatever other sports, the Olympic sports, that instead of having to travel from coast to coast, because at the end of the day, right, it's all about the student-athlete. That's the biggest lie the NCAA can, can still tell you. Every, it's about the student-athletes. No, it ain't. This move is about money. It's never about the student-athlete. Because now you're talking about if, if, if you have on the schedule now SMU, or, or SMU and Cal or, or, or Cal and Stanford, and now you got to travel, God forbid if it's a Thursday night game, You, you, you want them kids to get home at that, at that hour and make it to class on time. I, I don't think this, and I get, we, we're, we're in this realignment phase now, right, where everybody's up and running and going to their own space. I just, I don't get this. We're now the, we're, we're now the all-continent conference. We used to be the Atlantic Coast Conference. Now we just, we just everybody, we just everybody conference. Everybody come conference. Pause. This is just, we just going with, they, it ain't no more Atlantic Coast Conference. It's, it's the Atlantic, it's the Galveston, and it's the, the, uh, the Pacific. <laughs> we just outside. We outside. We outside. Selfishly, as someone who lives in the DFW area, I get to see my heels. I get to see my heels coming to SMU. For basketball, that'll be fun. I get to see my heels come baseball, football. I'll enjoy that part, but I, I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not a fan of it. I'm not a fan of it, and 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 honestly, we're not we're not a good enough conference across the board. And, and football is the money maker, right? And so when you look up and you say, "Who's the powerhouse in football?" It's Clemson. Clemson has been the powerhouse in football for some time now. Dabo has figured out a way to get recruits to come to Clemson, to South Carolina, and he's built the program. Deshaun Watson helped that. 
Trevor Lawrence helped that. But that might be a team when you look up in a year or so or two or however this thing is going, they might say, you know what? We out. We're going to the SEC. That, 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 and I'm a Tar Heel through and through. That's probably the only team that can leave this conference and go to that big boy conference, the SEC, and still compete. Dabble does a phenomenal job in recruiting. They have the facilities. They've competed at that high level before. So now if you lose Clemson, that even kind of brings the credibility of your football as a whole down even more. And these guys aren't good enough to to up that. You know what I mean? Like, it, it doesn't even give the feel of trying to recruit certain areas and, and make a – like, who going to have a rivalry with now? Carolina and California? That doesn't make no sense. It doesn't even feel right. Georgia Tech and SMU. It doesn't even feel right. But nothing stays the same. Change is inevitable. The only thing that the only thing that that is consistent is change. And so the days of us being used to that Big Ten or Big Twelve or Pac Ten or Pac Twelve or whatever it's called now and ACC and SEC those days it's 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 changing. The Big East is changing. And now this thing is getting to a place where. Who knows who's going to be where? We don't know. We don't know. We're going. I'm gonna still cheer for my Tar Heels. I'm a Tar Heel through and through. Whether they're in the ACC, AAC, SEC, I don't know. Wherever they go, I'm gonna cheer for them. But this this doesn't feel right. Doesn't feel like. I I do believe this. I do believe that we're getting to a point into a place where NCAA. You know, count your days, my boy. Count your freaking days. Your days are coming to an end as a whole. So you used to be the, the, the great middleman before they was allowed to, 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 to get their own money, these schools and universities. Now you ain't really necessary. These teams are going to start having their presidents of these schools, they're going to just come together and, and, and form a co-op and just say, we don't need them. What do they do for us anymore? We can negotiate our own TV deals, especially the way TV deals are going now with, with streaming becoming an all-time high thing, whether it's Amazon or YouTube or or or, or whatever, the zone, whatever, whatever the streaming service you decide to use. Everybody's getting into the streaming business. There's a bunch of money in that. So these places are going to start saying, what do we need you for, NCAA? You no longer hold the weight that you once held for 50, 60 years. We don't need you. We've, we've, we've negotiated these deals for our NILs, for our players. They're in some places making millions. I saw the other day, man, this sidebar. That um, Peyton Manning's nephew, what's his name? Arch. Arch Manning is projected to make somewhere around $2.9 million. 
The quarterback at USC, Caleb Williams, he's projected to make somewhere around like $1.9 million. Damn. NCAA, we don't, you're, becoming, you're becoming the annoying middleman now. These teams have a direct connect with the plug. And soon, soon, very soon, I believe, I think it's going to start in the SEC because they, the, they have the most power. They have the most money. I think it's going to start with them, and you're going to see them say, we don't need you anymore. We're going to just do our own thing. We're, we're, we're going to have the SEC thing happening. And we're just going to go with that. Because what, 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 what good are you? Literally, what good are you? You don't hold the weight that you once held. We can, we can do our own uh, scale of what is, is, is high school eligibility worthy, what tests we want to use, what tests we don't want to use, what, what grade point level, what, all that. We don't like that's not needed anymore by you. And maybe I'm not intelligent enough to talk about all the details of it, but I know for sure the writing on the wall, your days are numbered. <laughs> you can count your days, NCAA. And even, even tournament style. They can figure that out. I know that the NCAA tournament is a big business, but they don't need you to run that. Again, these presidents will come and say, let's just block out the middleman and call. We can call whatever we want. It's still March Madness. Speaking of the NCAA, another situation that's near and dear to my heart. That's why you're about to be out of this situation, NCAA, because it's stuff like this. If you all haven't heard, I'm here to tell you, the North Carolina Tar Heels are dealing in a situation right now as they prepare to take on the South Carolina Gamecocks uh, tomorrow, Saturday. You're watching this probably today. But they'll be short one of their star players, Tez Walker. And if you don't know about Tez Walker's story, let me kind of give you the background of it from the start. Tez Walker, he, as a freshman, played at the University of North, North Carolina Central University, smaller school in, in North Carolina. Well, his freshman year, COVID happened. And as you know, a lot of teams, especially the small schools like a North Carolina Central, when it became to that COVID protocol, those were one of the schools that just said, you know what, because we can't afford to do all the protocols and testing and that needs to be done all the time, travel and all that kind of thing, they just said we're canceling the season. Season is canceled. So he didn't play his freshman year. And none of us kind of quite knew how this thing was going to impact the next year in college athletics as, as a whole. So at that time, Tez decided that I'm going to transfer. The only other school that gave him a scholarship or offered him a scholarship at that time was Kent State. Tez is a kid from Charlotte, North Carolina, so he goes to Kent State and he plays two seasons at Kent State. And from there, he has always been, from high school and, and, and early in his college career, kind of the sole uh, a primary caregiver to his grandmother. I am partial to grandmothers because one raised me. I don't play about the grandmas. 
I'm going to play about it. They love me and I love them. But she began to get sick. And so Tez wanted to, you know, he, he wanted to help in that situation. He wanted to try to get back home and, 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 and dealing with trying to be a college student while the, the, the primary person, the, the, the caregiver, who uh, he was a caregiver of his grandmother and she was his grandmother. Begin to mess with him mentally. Going through all that, what he went through, he was saying, listen, mental health-wise, I'm not good. I'm not in a good place. I want to go home. And so he talked to the people at Kent State, and they came to a conclusion that, you know what, it's best if you go home. So he wanted to transfer again. This time he transferred to the University of North Carolina, which is about an hour and 40 minutes from Charlotte. So at any given point, he could just jump in the car, shoot to Charlotte, and tend to his grandma if necessary or when necessary. And to be around as her health was kind of in flux. And all was well. He made the transfer to North Carolina, did everything that he had to do three days into the school year. The old NCAA came to knock it. And they said, oh, Tez, by the way, due to the NCAA ruling, you can't transfer twice as an undergrad and be eligible to play right away. That's the ruling that came down. And so... In his confusion, in North Carolina's confusion, they said, well, we're going to appeal this. Because he didn't play his freshman year because of COVID and didn't know how that situation was going to plan out, so he transferred. That shouldn't even count. And then most of the guys are able to get the medical exemption or, 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 or the, yeah, the medical exemption to transfer in a situation like this. This appeal has been made weeks ago. The game is the 2nd of September. Tomorrow, today, if you're watching on Saturday. And the University of North Carolina has come out with a statement that basically said, we are going to play the game tomorrow without Tez Walker. Not because Tez Walker is not available to play. Not because Tez Walker doesn't want to play. Not because he's not ready, fit, and able to do what he has to do for the football team. But because the NCAA has failed to even respond to the appeal. They haven't even given him an answer. The NCAA has basically sat on this thing and said, ah, we get to it when we get to it. What? Despite what this may mean for the, for the Tar Heels and their offense, because he's slated to be one of the best players. I know people are going to say he wasn't the best player. Whatever. Cool. That's fine. But again, this is a kid who you're taking away the opportunity for him to go out there and play in a meaningful football game. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a good opponent to open up the year. You playing games like this, and that can change the that can change the fortune of your the future of your fortune, the fortune of your future. When you playing games like this. 
it's just one of those things where the NCAA, man, you got to go ahead and count your days, my boy. Because there's stunts like this that you pull where you can't even give a response. Say something. Say something. Yes, no. But don't just leave a kid in a university, in a team, just hanging in the wind because you feel like it. Because you feel like it. You can make a decision. It's unfortunate. That type of stuff is happening with the NCAA. But y'all, 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 y'all days are numbered. Believe you me. All right, let's look at the top 25. We're going to just kind of run around college football. I said enough about my Tar Heels. Go Heels. Beat the Gamecocks. But as we look at the way that this thing breaks down, I love that football is back. College football is fun. What, here's what I love more about college football than I do NFL. And I love the NFL. But college football every week matters. Like in the NFL, if a guy, you can have a team go to three games and lose a streak and still be okay. You lose three games in a row in college, you're done. You might make a bowl game, but you're not going to be in the college playoffs conversation anymore. So especially those teams that are in the top 25, it, it, it's a week-to-week thing, and that, that builds the drama and the anticipation. I love college game day. Whatever your school is at, I know they have some sort of ritual or some sort of pregame. I love that junk. That's always exciting to me. I, lo- I love that junk. And football is fun. It's back. It's back. It's in the, it's in the air. Football is back. All right, around college football, game starting tomorrow. We already had Utah uh, take on Florida. Florida is bad. Jesus Christ. Number 14, Utah, they, they, they walked all over Florida. A lot of people were mad about this game. This is funny. A lot of people were mad about this game because whatever the beef is, beef is with Disney and Spectrum, at some point in time, if you don't know, you, you now know that ESPN is under Spectrum. Um, and so this game started out on ESPN, and then whatever the beef was between Spectrum and Disney, it cut off. It cut off. It wasn't on TV anymore. Imagine if you had the fight party at your, I mean, the, the, the watch party at your house. If you're if you're a Utah Ute fan or you're a Florida Gator fan and you, and you you've been on a grill for 13 hours, you smoking pork butt and and pork shoulders, and you got ribs and chips and dips and all other all all that, and everybody's nestled in to watch this game and everybody's looking around this game. First play, to, first possession of the game, 70 yard touchdown for Utah. How hyped is that? All the Utah Utes are putting the U's up. Pork butts all over the place, burn ends, it's cooking. And then you got no more of it. You know how pissed people would be? Frosty Brews is being drunk. <laughs> and the game cut off. It's a lot of angry fans, man. I don't know what the beef is between Spectrum and, and Disney, but y'all need to iron that stuff out, man. You you You'll have you man you'll you'll mess up some some people's house. Folks got angers nowadays. They'll 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 smash a TV for anything. They'll smash a TV for anything. But Utah defeated Florida. Georgia takes on UT Martin. 
That's one of those games Dion used to talk about. See, this is the game that Dion used to talk about. Dion used to always say, if you go, if you gonna bring us in to stomp us, at least pay us accordingly. Like UT Martin, God bless everybody that plays for UT Martin. Georgia is going to beat the living hell out of UT Martin. I hope that this worth it. Because those kids don't have a chance against Georgia. Michigan takes on South Carolina, Ohio State at Indiana. Alabama, who a lot of people, number four team in the country, a lot of people are saying Alabama, they're back. They're back. Georgia has something to say about that. People are saying you can't keep Nick Saban down forever. Alabama at Middle Tennessee. USC at Nevada. Penn State at West Virginia. Number 10, Washington at Boise State. Number 11, Texas. Texas Texas has, I, I think Texas only travels out of the state of Texas twice this year. This entire year. Texas will be the home favorites in a lot of these games because they don't have to leave the state of Texas. Like they go to Alabama. Alabama, Iowa State. They go to Alabama and Iowa State. Other than that, every other game is in the state of Texas. Crazy. Yeah, that's wild, right? That's wild. So Texas, they ain't got to travel far. They head right up the street to, uh, to, 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 uh, to Houston to take on Rice. Tennessee at Virginia. Notre Dame at Tennessee State. Oregon at Portland State. Kansas State at Southeastern Missouri State. This is going to be a big one right here. Number 17, TCU. Takes on Colorado right here in Fort Worth. That's going to be a big game. Dion is into this. This Will this be the most watched game, you think, this weekend? I, I think if we're if we're doing if if we're if we're making bets, I think that this might be the most watched game this weekend. And it ain't because of Sonny Dykes. No offense, Sonny. It ain't because of you. It's for prime time. People want to see prime. Said it in my last episode, like the the Floyd Mayweather effect, you love him or you hate him. There's no in-between. You either love Dion, must be the money, or you don't. You want to see him win, or you want to see him get the doors knocked off? Well, we'll find out tomorrow. Number 19, Wisconsin is at Buffalo. 20, Oklahoma at Arkansas State. My North Carolina Tar Heels, number 21 in the nation, takes on the South Carolina Gamecocks. This is going to be the battle of the quarterbacks. This is going to be a good one. This is going to be, we won't have Trez Walker, but that's okay. We got Drake May. Drake's going to be nice. I'm telling y'all, Drake's going to be nice, man. He's going to be one of those guys at the end of the year. You're going to be like, Heisman. He's going to be in that Heisman category. Spencer Rattler. Um, remember, he was at Oklahoma. Transferred to uh, South Carolina. Had some big wins last year. But this is a guy who he's been looked at as, as one of the primetime quarterbacks in this class of quarterbacks. 22 Ole Miss versus Mercer, 23 Texas A&M versus New Mexico, 24 Tulane versus South Alabama, and 25 Iowa versus Utah State. That's the Saturday slate, and then you got the Sunday slate. We playing football on Sunday before we get into the NFL. Big game. This 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 is probably the most. This will probably be the most competitive game of the weekend. I hope it's competitive. 
Number five, LSU taking on number eight, Florida State in Orlando. And then you have Oregon State taking on San Jose State. And then on Monday, Clemson taking on that school in Durham, Duke. <laughs> so, yeah, whatever your college allegiance is, allegiance is, more power to you. I wish you the best. But go heels for me. And that's all I got, ladies and gentlemen. That's it. That's the end of the show. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope I lighted you some way, shape, or form. I hope that I made you feel better. I my, my ultimate goal every time I do a show, I want you to laugh. I want you to be informed. And I want you to go, hmm, I never thought about it that way. If you do those three things, I did my job. And I want you to be able to leave this show and go, I'm going to tell somebody about this show. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. Unfiltered with Jesse Holly. It's where it's at. We are no longer taking part. We're taking over. Come enjoy the ride. While it's still room. It's going to get full. Quick. I believe it. I believe it's going to get full quick. Won't be no room for you then on the bandwagon. Come get on the unfiltered with Jesse Holly bandwagon now. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Even, even we have all the Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, all the Spotify, Apple. If you're not a visual person, I'm fine. I'm cute. The 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 thing they say in 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 media is make men want to be like you and women want to be with you. That's what they say. That's what they say. Make men want to be like you and women want to be with you. Be with me. Be like me. Watch the show. All right, that's it. I'm out. Remember, never let anyone tell you their lives are better than yours because it is yours. Eliminate the contingencies. This is Jesse Holly with Unfiltered with Jesse Holly. I'm out!